Hi everyone, welcome to the Be The Vessel podcast. My name is Daniel and I play the roles of channeler and intuitive psychologist, aiming to bridge all aspects of the healing arts while navigating my return journey to the stars. I interview those journeying through all aspects of healing, whether that be from more traditional Western frames or from a more spiritual or spirit-based connection. What I always find is that everyone is a bridge between worlds, a universe unto themselves, and a unique light that shines brightly for the collective. If you like what you hear and are interested in more of my offerings, consider joining the Be The Vessel community at patreon.com slash Atkins, where you will find various unique offerings bonus content, and podcasts such as my own channeled information and the new Be The Vessel healing series. May you find what you're looking for and remember the light within. Cedis Rivas Verdejo is the owner and founder of Empowering Light Language, where she works with individuals and families to improve their communication through classes, coaching, workshops, and private energy work sessions. She is a life coach, speech language pathologist, learning behavioral specialist and energetic body worker. She spent 10 years with chronic pain, illness, and a compromised immune system. At the verge of death, after trying every intervention and approach suggested by doctors, she found non-traditional and energy-based solutions that she added to her more traditional training, which ultimately turned her whole life path around for the greater. She loves inviting people to acknowledge what's true for them and to have lives beyond what has been projected or expected. She has a podcast called Choosing a Different Future with CDs, as well as books on Amazon and more information about her offerings via her website, which can all be found in the show notes. Please enjoy this episode with CDs, and may it be an empowering invitation to break tradition and shine your brightest light. All right, well, I think we're already, I think we're already flowing. I think we're already flowing. Um, so welcome to the show. <laughs> So, you know, after hearing a bit about your story and, uh, you know, reading through some of your materials and in, in our, in our earlier conversation, I know you've had a long and winding tale, uh, not so dissimilar to my own, uh, navigating pain, sickness, um, alternative paths. And where I really feel guided to start is in the area of energy medicine. Uh, because it's something that's been um, poignant for uh, in my own life, in my own exploration. And so I'm curious, how did you come to or discover this umbrella of energy medicine? Because, I mean, it's a, it's that term alone is very expensive. It encompasses so much. Uh, it, it can, frankly, it can mean many different things to different people, but I'm curious what it means to you. I'm curious how you came to it and what modalities in, in this area worked for you? Yeah. Um, I'm like an energy medicine vampire. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, which one? Let me try another one. Let me try another one. Uh, the very first one that I could say that I consciously and like consciously chose as an adult and, and, really embrace and and looked into and leaned into was Reiki. Um, and what led me to it was in my teens and twenties, I was dealing with so much autoimmune issues. Um, I was, I went away to a residential high school. Some people call them boarding schools. We don't like to call it that, but where I went, to, 
it was the LNM Athens Science Academy. I absolutely adored my experience there. And it was a lot of pressure that I was putting on myself. And I think that stress and pressure and also me stepping into this new path that by going there and not staying at home and and not trying to be the perfect daughter there in this particular way that I thought I needed to be, uh, broke free a lot of symptoms and a lot of these capacities that I had with the earth. And I had already experienced a car accident when I was 13, where I was in the back seat and the car behind us stopped. And I think the car behind that stopped, but then it became like a train, chain reaction because it was a downhill, rainy day. And the car behind that was speeding and didn't stop. And it just went blah, 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 blah. And it just, and I was hearing stuff behind me. And so my spine wasn't in alignment with during impact and it created um, neck pain and back pain and all these different things. And so I started already having some pain and then those autoimmune issues came about when I was in high school and I became chronically sick, like just every kind of respiratory infection you can imagine. I just was dealing with it. So sinus infections and bronchitis that all started around 15 years old. And then I was in my second car accident. Um, and it just so it kept going back and forth between muscular skeletal issues and immune system issues and fast forward into like my twenties, where I think it was at that point, I'd already experienced about five or six car accidents, including a hit and run where I was walking and someone hit me. I landed on their roof. They, I slid off, they drove off. I was in a lot of pain um, and dealing with so much stuff that I just, I didn't know what else to do. And I was seeing doctors and specialists, a lot of Western medicine doctors, lovely doctors that really took the time to get to know what was going on, did a lot of tests. They tr we tried a lot of different things and nothing was working. And I just kept getting worse and worse in in my illness. And they were, they were finally saying that I was going to get pneumonia and die if I didn't change anything. And I was like, doc, I would love to. Um, I'm Anything you got, I'm willing to try. Like, I want to live, you know, I want to live in a more healthy way here and they nothing works. So my mom in her immense wisdom, and she's very social and is, you know, this hummingbird socially just all over the place, uh, came across this woman when she was um, studying massage therapy and, uh, and she was connected with somebody that was a Reiki master. And she also happened to be also a naturopathic doctor. So with her help, I was able to look at the physiological and rebuild my immune system with a personalized plan through all these different supplements and tinctures and diet changes and a naturopathic approach. And I also looked at the energetics and used that with Reiki and became a Reiki master myself. Um, and within the first session or so, I didn't have any pain anymore. And this is after 10 years already of feeling like there was never going to be a moment that I didn't, I was going to have pain either ever possibly present, or it was just going to come out of nowhere, or that it was just going to be a part of my life that I would have to accept. And everyone kept saying like, you just deal with it. You just deal with it. And I didn't want to be on pain medication. I knew the implications and the risks with that. I, I knew there was another possibility out there. I just hadn't met them yet. And then that was my first. And then from Reiki, it, there were all these other modalities that came afterwards, shamanism. I worked with some Lakota-based shamans, um, love that work. Then there was access consciousness. 
and all their 8,000 tools and became a certified facilitator of access consciousness, beta healing, tantra. I, when I say vampire, like I love, I love vampires. I don't like energetic vampires. <laughs> that, but when it comes to energy medicine vampire, oh yeah, because I feel like it really, there isn't this one size fits all. I don't think that there's one modality or one energy medicine that's going to work for everyone. It's like, what's the, even for one person, it's like, what's going to work for you that day in that moment? What's your body asking for right then? And then are you willing to play with that energy? I'm really looking at all the energies that are available to us. So that's where it started. I love that. And um, yeah, sounds like we're similar in that way. Both both seekers, both um, both just expanding out and interested in what's possible and what's there for us. And you receive some pretty deep invitations oh, yeah. to to explore that, as, as, as usually we do, right? Usually... Um, to spark that that journey of expansion and curiosity, we we typically uh, get invited pretty deeply. And uh, for you, it 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 um, yeah sounds sounds like it was pretty severe, and for for a really extended period of time, which I can I can relate to. And uh, amongst all of uh, some of the things you've listed, some of the, the the one of the things I was curious about that that I, I just discovered through your materials online as well, was access consciousness. It just, it grabbed me and I was, it, it reminded me of some other things that I'm aware of. And so I'm curious how you came to access consciousness. Who is Dr. Dane here and Gary Douglas? And, and what is this world that, that you got introduced to? Um, again, my mom and her vast wisdom uh, spoke of someone, I think it was one of her massage therapy teachers that offered to give her an access bar session, which is one of the first one of the first tools that a lot of people get introduced to when they're looking at access consciousness. But like I said, access consciousness has about eight thousand tools, from verbal to energetic, that they that they um, invite people to play around with. And so she got her bars run, is what it's called when you have an access bar session, and. She absolutely loved it. And then she was like, "I want to take a class." So she immediately took a class. She loved it. Started running this on us. We loved it. We were really happy about it. And when we say we is me and my siblings, right? She was like, I want to share this immediately with all of my kids. That's just how she is. And um, and then one by one, each of us took the class as well and became practitioners. And then fast forward later, I became a facilitator and started teaching the classes and things like that. And it, it's just been really, really, it's a really, really powerful tool, especially the access bars. It's amazing in how much it quiets the mental chatter. Um, and I always valued a lot my ability to analyze and think, you know, where we've both come from fields where there's a lot of research and, and, you know, evidence and blah, 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 and all these different things. And, and I still value my intellect. And yet I also recognize now that sometimes your mind is very much getting in the way of your knowing and of what's possible that you can be aware of as well. So uh, I, I, I love I love access consciousness. I'm very grateful for those tools. And Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here are the founders or co-founders of Access Consciousness that's been around for over 30 years now. And they um, teach classes in like over 160 countries in the world and they have about 18 different languages and things like that. They've written multiple books individually and together that kind of showcase some of their tools and 
and verbal clearings are, are often part of their books as well. Sounds like we both have mothers that invite us into uh, new expansive landscapes and, and experiences. So, um, And sometimes it's not an invitation. Sometimes it's a dragging. <laughs> like, like, it's like, wait a minute. I feel like this is an ambush. Wait, I thought we were just going to go shopping. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, that too. That too. I think that's, I think that's par for the course as, as mothers yeah, tend to go. for sure. <laughs> Very grateful, nonetheless. <laughs> what does it mean to have your bars run? What does that mean? Um, there are different points on the head that they found. Um, Gary Douglas channeled uh, the 32 points that are part of, of the axis bars. And when you gently touch the points, not pushing them, it's not acupuncture or cranial sacral massage, even though there are some overlaps in some of the spots. Um, when you touch these 32 points, it deletes these different programs, beliefs, lies that you have stored in you, programs that you have stored in you, schematics that are stopping you from you accessing you. So that's why they talk about access consciousness because you're accessing what you know, your consciousness. I, I just love the the connections I feel and hear amongst within the umbrella of energy medicine because each tool, each framework as it's channeled from a different source, a different vessel plays out a little bit differently with a little bit different language but comes back to some core truths and and that's great because different sometimes you know in different fields let's say in the field of western psychology there's there's a lot of overlap but people want to argue and try to prove what's right no it's this way no it's this way even though they come up with different labels for like some of the same basic stuff but i think the the variety is so important because different things find different people and work for different people and the language and the system and the the vessel Gary or Dane or whoever work for different people and that's amazing we need many many vessels on this planet channeling you know slightly different more nuanced forms of of energy uh to to create um opportunities for for more and more people it, it, i've had this thought recently that like before it was vastly different religions um, that were all kind of tapping into, uh, from my perspective, you know, essential uh, truths about, about the universe, about, about life, about the journey here. And now, it, it, you know, it can be, it can still be that, but it can also, or different brands of spirituality if, if you prefer, but it can also be different, you know, uh, varieties of healing, different varieties of accessing what this thing we call energy is you know it's energy it's like a it's like one of the best words we got for um working with the expression of consciousness of life force of um mm -hmm. so yeah that that one that one caught my eye and and that's cool that's cool that's uh that's very that's very interesting to me and and, and resonates a lot and so you so so you obviously felt impacted enough by this work to then pursue the training is that right yeah yeah I I was a, um, an access bars facilitator, and then they have different body processes. So I learned about them and was teaching those classes, became a certified facilitator, which is kind of higher up where you get to teach the multi-day classes, like five-day classes and things like that. So it's it's definitely completely changed the trajectory of my life, even how I, how I was doing business in it really... Um, and the people I met through the community, I mean, it's worldwide. A lot of people were like, how do you know all these people from all over the world? A big part of that was access consciousness because I wasn't just 
meeting people from all, the, all over the world when I was taking classes in the United States, but I would go travel. I've taken classes in Australia, in Italy. Um, and so it, it just really opened up my world. And I think that's one of the things that energy medicine at its most expansive, it opens your world. And if you are, are you playing with an energy medicine that contracts your world? And that's probably not the one that you should be exploring at that time. <laughs> it's, it's just my perspective on that. <laughs> I think, I think many would agree. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's like, it opens us from the inside, right? Opens the chakras, opens the heart and, and, and the world opens in return often as a result. And yeah, it is so beautiful as we as we just pursue our light in that way, um, we find our tribe, we find community, we find possibilities, opportunities just by pulling the thread on the thing that was working for us. You know, I've often said, like, if we could translate that a little bit more to other uh, more traditional allopathic forms of um, medicine or psychology, like just see what works for you kind of thing and then go toward that, you'll probably end up in the right place. And maybe things will change. Things will probably change and evolve. But if you learn to pull the thread of what's working for you, um, it's, and, and the thing about energy medicine modalities typically is that it's, it's, um, it's a learning through healing. It's a learn. You you are a, you don't really learn without experiencing. That's it's it's yeah. prerequisite. Be the walking model of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. it, it's a prerequisite, and and what an amazing prerequisite it makes for me. It makes learning really worthwhile if I'm healing in the process rather than That's like sit down in this grad school class. Don't go to therapy or anything, or may, we suggest it, but you don't have to. And then like learn, read these books so you can intellectually get it and now go out and help people, even though you haven't necessarily been able to embody it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love that any modality and all the ones that I've mentioned, there is this piece of you're receiving as you're giving. And that's completely counter to how I was functioning before then. And that's probably why, in my perspective, why I was in so much pain, why I had so much depression and anxiety and 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 even though I went through chiropractor for a year and I should have been better physically, why it was still perpetuated because I wasn't dealing with the energetics underneath of this belief that I had to give, give, give. And I wasn't really including myself in the equation of my life enough. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people are still doing. And that's part of what, you know, the, this mentality of martyrdom and being of service. I think that we can can't really be of service. We can't really be an example to the kids of the world or create a different possibility if we aren't including ourselves and our bodies in the equation of what we're doing and our choices. It it really, it makes being of service such a light for us. Like you said, the, the giving is the receiving is the giving. It becomes this synchronous, unified game of being of service rather than like just... Um, an assigned requirement to go go and do some healing or go and get some therapy because that's like whatever um what will ethically make you a better clinician or or it'll like give you the perspective of a client <laughs> rather than just go and be the client <laughs> so you can so you can heal and and feel the benefits and and yeah just like you said uh you know myself included many of us those who are guided to service 
um, are oftentimes guided in because the the nervous system, the the woundedness, the the parts of us that are here to be transmuted so that we can serve at the highest possibility are, are part of that ride, part of part of that service, part of that um, contribution uh, is 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 that work, but and also the that possibility and that gift of receiving. I, I think that's really beautiful. And yeah, it's 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 probably my favorite part of exploring energetic modalities or any modalities that really light me up and serve my own growth. I'm, I'm going to be, I, I trust I'm going to be able to serve better whether I end up donning that title or that training or not, or I just receive from it and it fills me up in, in all the other ways, you know, I'm here to showing up, I'm here to show up. Ultimately, I'm just Daniel and I, all these other things are cool and they're great and maybe I'll teach them, maybe I'll do them, whatever, but it's uh, it's just so valuable. And it's so playful and fun. I mean, that's the other thing that that I think we we get into very, it's very tempting. It's very sneaky how when people are playing with energy medicine, they want to make it just as serious as like Western medicine has become. And that's, and that's one of the things that was such an invitation for me is I didn't have to take my life and my and everything and put so much pressure on myself anymore. I could play and be curious and, and, and really nurture my inner child and that childish enthusiasm for living again. I, that's one of the reasons why I called my business Empowering Light Language. It actually came from the kids I was working with at the time. I knew I was I was working with the Chicago Public Schools. I know we have our Chicago connection. Um, and I was working in the Chicago Public Schools and about a third of my- A very lighthearted endeavor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and wait for it. So- um, a third of my caseload was profound or severe autistic kids. Um, I love, I love working with people who have autism. Um, and I'm like a magnet for them. And I, I think that's such a beautiful gift. Um, they've been such a contribution to my life on so many levels. And I was in one of the classrooms and this connects also to this thread of light that you mentioned earlier, that I really love that imagery that you've mentioned. So thank you for that. Because I was in this classroom and these kids were tantruming. They're preschoolers. So they're three to five years old. And as soon as one goes off, the other one's going off. And they're all yelling and screaming. And they're tearing at each other's hairs. They might be like kicking. I used to come away with bite marks on my arms, you know. Um, fortunately, because they're three to five, they're not biting as hard as maybe a teenager. But it, 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 it gives an impression. It was a big bruise. Um, and so one of those moments, they were just super all over the place. And... I don't know who it was. I think it was one of the teachers was started singing the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right. And they, I don't know if they, she was started singing it with the, with it playing. I don't recall actually now, cause this was back in, gosh, it must've been 2008, 2009. I had already been in the schools for a couple of years at that point. And everyone just quieted down this hush. We went from total, mania to the most calm you would not have you would not have thought it was like you know the only thing I could think of that would be a comparison is when the calm that people say happens after a tornado when everything's wrecked like I mean the whole classroom was a mess the kids were on the floor some of them some of them had clothes on some of them didn't have clothes on I mean it was all over the place and then you would if, you, if somebody had walked in now at that moment they would not have guessed how it was just a few moments before and I was like, this is the energy of what I'd like to create more of in the world. 
And so fast forward later, a couple years later, when I was thinking of going on my own and creating my own business, I wanted to talk to people and invite them to that energy of having that calm and using language to invite people to have to empower that light within them. So a lot of people think that it's empowering light language, like that I'm a light language practitioner. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> in my own way, but not in the the trained traditional way, for sure. And I've gotten to meet some light language practitioners since then, because it's a common misconception about my my business, but it's actually empowering light. That phrase is a descriptor of the language. I want whatever language we use to empower the light within us. And if it's not, then it's time for us to change the language. It's time for us to change the narrative, the conversation, whatever we're doing at that moment. And those kids, if it wasn't for my experiences with those kids and my ongoing experiences with those kids, uh, my life would be a completely different, probably more of like that mess that was before (laughs) that song showed up. And I had no idea that that song was actually had all these religious connotations. Speaking of what you're saying earlier with religion, like I just was like, this works. Uh, For me, I'm a pragmatist at my core. I'm like, let's do what works. And there's something to that, that it was really powerful. And the kids picked up on it. It's like, yes, I have a light within me. Yes, I am going to let it shine. What is going on here that it's not letting me shine it? And let me do that. Let me choose that. And then they did with us, the adults. It was awesome. I'm not always a pragmatist, but I am, I would say, ultimately a functional healer. I, 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 Let's do what works. And for me, the language of light it just works. I feel when I got to feel it in my body. You know, before everything was an intellectual process. Well, how does that make sense? How was that validated? What did Freud say? And how uh, how did I? How can I conceptualize this in a way? None of that fucking worked <laughs> for me personally. I could uh, I could play that game pretty well. I'm not sure how how effective it was for myself or others when I could feel what I call this light and and light language. I'm not sure there's a traditional mode of it, but I'd say that we can expand. Yes, there are some who who really translate a kind of language from source energies or, or other energies. And I've been exploring that a bit myself with my own voice. But to me, really, all language can be a language for light. It can also be a language for other things. But if we choose the light, then the way that it comes through our voice, your voice, your business, your access consciousness, your work with kids, your song is your light. And that's like, pretty sure that's what we're all here to do is to shine our light. <laughs> and so I love it. I love, I love, um, you know, we talked about this when we, when we first met, I, I, that, that phrasing really resonates with me. So I love that that came to you um, as the as the name of your business, uh, of your service, of your offerings. And um, the other thing I wanted to go back to was was you know the mentioning of of being in the schools because I will say I personally was not really able to shine my highest light in the schools, and I have so much respect for those who can carry the light in such. Uh, let's say challenging and sometimes deeply traumatized environments like the schools I think we both participated in in Chicago. How was that for your 
nervous system. Did you feel you were able to shine your light in those environments or is it ultimately what led you to leave to pursue uh, landscapes that, that resonated more for you? This is going to be, a, it's a whole thing on just this. So as a student, I'll start with there. As a student, I excelled in school. I was considered gifted, which is part of why I was able to go to the residential high school. Um, I finally am able to say that and not be like, <laughs> like I did not want to be considered gifted. I, I did not want to be like, oh, special and like put up on this pedestal, whatever, whatever. But one of the things that I was very acutely aware of is with my siblings, they had a lot of learning challenges and I could see the discrepancies. And that was really disheartening for me from a very early age. I remember helping my sister with with school and, and academics and how they were treating her like as if she had, you know, inferior intellect just because she had spina bifida, which is a physical disability. So they equated it back then. This is now we're 40 years ago, 34 years ago, that they were just glopping them all together. So there's that piece. And then my brother, he's hard of hearing and that also affected his language acquirements and things like that. It actually impacted our whole family because we were, Spanish was our first language. And then because there weren't any services in in Spanish, there were no therapists that were bilingual, such as myself, they would had to get all these therapies that they very much needed um, in English. And they were, and the therapists were telling them no Spanish and Spanish is wrong. And so then they would come home and would be mad at my parents when they would speak to us in Spanish because these teachers and therapists were saying that. So there, that's the beginning. And then when I was working in the schools, oh, I should say both my parents were, were public school teachers too. Okay, that's very important. <laughs> because I was seeing how their experiences, my siblings' experiences, but I was also seeing my parents be advocates for them probably only as effective as they could be because they were educators, because they knew the system, because they knew their rights. Unfortunately, most parents don't. And it makes a big difference. And unfortunately, the it's often the people who make the most noise that get the services and the supports that they are legally mandated to get. Um, so that influenced everything that I was doing. But I, I saw the wonderful experiences and the lives that my parents impacted in their classrooms too. So it was this it's weird juxtaposition. It was a weird like dichotomy of all these different things coming together. And then fast forward to when I was working in the public schools and I loved my kids and I loved the teachers I worked with. I was very lucky to be in a really great school off the gate. Now the administration, the bureaucracy, the setting you up to either lie or fail, that part of it was unacceptable to me. And that's why I left because I wanted to be able to look at my parents that I would meet in the meetings and and be like, we got it early. I got your back. We're going to be in communication. I'm going to support you through this whole process. Your child's going to get quality services with me and with this team. And as the years went on, that I couldn't do that with integrity. And that was just not, that was a deal breaker for me. Now, they've revamped things a lot since then. There's, there's some of those issues have been addressed. Some of the other new ones have cropped up. It's a whole, it's a different thing um, on multiple levels. There's so, there are all these new considerations now. But for me and my personal choices, I 
didn't feel like I could be the therapist that I really wanted to be with the integrity, with the respect, with the quality that I wanted to provide if I had stayed. And it's unfortunate because when I first went in, given my parents being teachers until they retired, I thought I was going to be a lifelong school speech language pathologist. That was, that would have been this dream. I was, I was, I would have loved to do that, but that wasn't going to work out. And so pivot, 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 pivot. And now we're here. <laughs> Multiple added, you know, times a hundred <laughs> more pivots. <laughs> of course, times infinity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it sounds like it wasn't as much, let's say, uh, a body invitation, although of course everything becomes embodied. The the ideas we feel being challenged when we what what we perceive as not being in alignment for us. But it sounds like you are actually a natural fit um, to participate in the schools, and maybe under a different system, uh, under a different structure. Maybe you'll create a school in the future. You know, you you've you could really that was really that worked for you. You know, the the lineage of your family. Um, be have being intimately tied to some of the the limitations of your siblings that were misperceived, mislabeled, misattuned to. You know, you were really set up to connect. It sounds like in the environment, and it sounds like you were able to do it very well. Um, you just saw what was no longer in alignment for you in the um in the system in 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 the system, which I can certainly understand. I. Um, was not considered gifted in school. <laughs> I had a lot of issues. And then showing up on the other side of things, I had a lot of issues, but, you know, including some of my own woundedness from going through that experience. But, um, but yeah, it, I, I can certainly uh, see your, your desire to, to expand and, and create uh, or participate in a system that aligns for you to, to, to shine your brightest light and help, uh, those you serve, kids, parents, et cetera, shining the way that- Well, one of the things that, you know, and I, and thank you for that. I, I really, I hear you and I receive the acknowledgement. And I I actually very strongly for a couple of years considered creating my own school for kids. Um, but I didn't want it to be all on my shoulders and go back to the pattern of this pressure of it. Even if I created a great team, it would be one school and I'd have to wait for the me to like maybe- spread it out into network and it would just be the slow go. So what I instead shifted to was using what I know with all these different energetic modalities and looking at what I wish I had been taught earlier that might have prevented me from unlocking all those autoimmune issues and and not really being as connected and in communion with my body as I was and and having all that pain and suffering for way longer. Um I didn't have the 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 issues physically, but I definitely had it with bullying. Um, I would come home crying every single day, seventh grade. I had um, friends that were in, you know, getting teenage pregnancies and all the misinformation about sex or the lack of information about sex. Um, I could have easily have been pregnant at 12, easily. I had plans (laughs) with my middle school boyfriend because I started dating somebody when I was 11 years old. So um, I... My, my there have been so many moments where my life could have totally t- taken a different path. But what I realized when I really sat with that possibility and looked at the logistics of it energetically, the logistics of it financially, I was like, I really want to empower the teachers and the staff and the systems to have this information and then have it ripple out 
So then that's when I started shifting to doing parent workshops and staff trainings and doing, you know, trainings and companies and things like that. So that people that are on the front lines, like the teachers, could know how to tap into their inner knowing, how to connect with their body, how to do the self-care required so that they don't burn out <laughs> as they're giving, giving, giving and caring for all these kids and, and educating as the expectations of them keep rising. And there and there's so many more teachers that are leaving than that are coming in um, and therapists for sure as well. Like all of the specialized services there's, there's many more that are leaving that are coming in, unfortunately, right now. So there's a big gap in need. And so one of the things I've been doing is, in addition to the trainings too, is teaching these classes where people can learn to tap into their inner knowing, connect with their bodies. And then on top of that, I'm looking to create programs where it's like body awareness, like all the stuff that they don't talk to you about bodies, and even start it where it's in preschool and kindergarten. And keep going up there like you know of course we're going to look at all ages but i want it to be something where the kids at the beginning know what their yes and their no is with their body know what who they should interact with who they shouldn't interact with um what would be a path that's actually fully for them or maybe they're just doing it and choosing it based on family pressure or projections and expectations of media society all these different things that all is connected to our body and our connection with our body our partnership with our body but they don't talk about that in school. Did you get that information out in school? <laughs> I certainly didn't. Hell no. I would love to inject that information and actually create programs that 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 instill that into the curriculum. There, it started in a couple places with mindset training, but I'm looking at something way beyond mindset. It's really this communion and connection with our bodies, and and I, I wonder what rippling out effect it could have if we did that. So I'm looking to actually partner with schools in different ways around this. And I actually was offered a principalship at a school in Texas. And I was like, that's still like me in one school. <laughs> I want to like hop around and plant all these seeds and then have them all go push and flourish it <laughs> all over the world because I don't want to be stuck in any one place. And I don't want me to then all of a sudden take my eye off of all of these other ones that are calling for me. There are kids around the world that need this, including the kids within us, within the adults that are walking around. Your vision, your your light is more expansive than one school, one system. It, it, it transcends that and it's it's meant to be bright and expansive and free and have the the um have the opportunity to to go off in any direction that it sees fit. And what a beautiful vision of kids really being taught first and foremost first and foremost before blocks before numbers whatever else they learn uh to 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 tune in what what are feelings what do feelings do to us what are the what's the point of them are they okay can we share them um can we talk about them i i needed that i needed that very much and and most kids do um and uh you know yeah just just learning to feel that that we're okay we're okay even if we can't play this structured game uh as well as everyone else. i mean i was i was held back from kindergarten <laughs> i think it was kindergarten um because i literally when we would go down for nap time i wouldn't stop 
I would be like counting. I wouldn't stop talking. My mind would just be... I'm sure there were other reasons too. I don't think that was the only reason. But um, I was going to say, I was like, what were you aware of it? Or who are you aware of? <laughs> yeah, I was just, I, I had a lot of difficulty conforming to, and I still do, which is why I create my life in a pretty <laughs> non-conformist way. Um, but from the, from the get-go, I, I needed different stuff. Um, and a lot of kids do. And I think actually... Um, more the 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 newer souls that are coming that are incarnating on this planet are, are coming with a very high light and um and they're gonna need they're gonna need some different kind of things too so they can honor the gifts the gifting uh and um you know uh, uh, and ideally we can we can do our best to create environments and landscapes that allow them uh to flourish in in in, in the ways that we all need so yeah, I love that vision. Um, I want to, something I was guided to was just this area of working with groups. It sounds like you you thrive there. It sounds like you enjoy that, working with different kinds of systems, different kinds of demographics, different kinds of groups yeah. of people. I'm curious how your discovery and exploration of energetics, whether it be access consciousness or, or other modalities, um, supported you or changed or expanded the way that you show up for for groups of people yeah so much so you know with shamanism and with reiki there is this beautiful component of connection with the earth that really allowed me to recognize how much the earth had been communicating with me that i didn't even realize and so I start every day saying hi to my body and saying hi to the earth. And sometimes the earth with that little check-in is asking for me to send some energetic contributions. So I'm like, here you go. And I flow energy to the earth and it's like, ha. Huh. And then I perceive the gratitude there and I express my gratitude back. And it's this lovely touch point that I have that I also do before meetings, before conventions, before festivals, before... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to do a training or a class. I, I do that high body and I say, and I say hi to all the bodies that are there because I already know that they're going to be sending me messages. Like we were talking about earlier, how it doesn't ever stop. It might not be this whole like, oh, this person has rheumatoid arthritis or this person's cheating on her husband, even though sometimes that happens where I get those messages. <laughs> um, and that really shifts and has changed also me being more comfortable with silence and me being a better listener, I could still be a better listener. But one of the things that has shifted how I, I interact with groups and facilitate classes is when I'm, when I'm willing for the silence to inform me and for me to tap into my inner knowing with those silences, I'm more effective when I do speak. And I, and I can't tell you how many times people are like, oh, my God, I was just thinking about that. It's funny you should say that. Or, oh, I, you know, that's exactly what I needed to hear or whatever this is. And it's it's because I pause. It's because I'm more comfortable with those with those silences and pauses than I ever have before. And all of these tools have helped me to do that in different ways. So the silence, I'll have this connection with the earth and my body, with the Reiki and, and the shamanism, with theta healing. It was very much me when I'll pause sometimes, I'll all of a sudden my eyes will flicker <laughs> like I'm in a theta state 
And next thing you know, I am connected with the seventh plane of existence and the creator of all that is. And I might be getting a download or shifting something. Maybe I'm visiting another moment the where there's information there for me, be it another moment in this life, like a memory in my earlier childhood or another lifetime, another dimension. And that was with Theta Healing. With access consciousness, I I opened up my world to all these different planets, not just all these different countries that I mentioned earlier, but all these different planets too. And they would talk a lot about asking questions. So I, I shifted how I ask questions when I'm in classes, when I'm facilitating classes, when I when I'm talking to myself. They they have this saying in access consciousness: a question empowers, and an answer disempowers. So I got really, really good at asking questions and it took off so much pressure on my on me, which remember I had an immense amount of pressure that I put on myself where I didn't have to be the one that had all the answers all the time. And so one of the things that when I, when people are in my coaching programs or in my classes, they start to realize they don't always have to have all the answers all the times, but they can have a question and that question can open the door to another possibility. And then all these different things from there have led me to then create the living and dying body process. And it's its own personality, its own energetics, and invites people to actually tap into what they know about living and dying that maybe they have put in a closet, buried, shut down from what they experience over the course of their life. Um, And with that information, they can create a lives that have exuberant living within it. Some would say it is in the discovery of new questions to ask that we are able to expand our mind to receive uh, the guidance forth in, in, in continuing to discover newer questions, more expanded questions, questions that move us outside the the previous five questions we've asked for 40 years into um, questions that involve larger games at play. In in the asking, we open to receive in trusting that it is not us, our individual human minds, producing the answers. We are receiving them from somewhere, something. And it seems like Maybe maybe you already had this awareness, but it seems like you are able to embody the idea that when a group comes together, there is a way to tap into a kind of field, a kind of access to questions, to information that's meant to flow through to allow a group to optimize and to move in a really heart-guided, heart-centered, aligned fashion to the to receive whatever it's meant to receive, which, I mean, we were talking about this when we first met, like no no judgment to how other people do things, but like, you know, just people who want to, um, for example, create uh, a title for a podcast episode. It's like, well, is that, is it's kind of like how we started. Is that opening or is that constricting? For me, it's a little bit constricting. We, we we shared some ideas and that felt enlivening. At the same time, I just, I have to be an open book. And so f- for me, that includes like, I don't know what this is going to be called yet. And it would be crazy for me to, for me to know in advance. It's sort of, it's sort of a dance, I'll say for me, in terms of how I refer to myself, you know, when that includes identities or titles and 
how I refer to uh, different events or things that I run because I'm like, yeah, this is this is the title that came through, but there might be other stuff that, that comes in. And I, I would like that freedom to allow uh, groups, events, spaces to unfold. Um, and it, yeah, it, it just sounds like your, your willingness to be with the stillness, you're not needing to have all the answers. It allowed you to open to, yeah, what can be, and, and coming back to that idea of giving and receiving, coming back to that idea, because yeah, there is that idea in other spaces where if you show up to quote unquote lead a group, uh, you are bearing the responsibility of guiding forth something rather than, well, I'm here to receive. I'm sort of, I'm at the head of the table receiving and maybe containing, but we're all, we're all receiving, we're all giving, and we're opening the bounds of what uh, the ma- the magic, the possibility of a group of people can provide. Well, with that too, there's a difference between embracing your influence and you being an authority and whatever you're an authority in, while also inviting people to embrace that they're the expert of their lives. And what does that actually mean for them? So one of the questions that I love to ask in any situation, be it groups or individuals, is what's going to create the most here? So that's what led me to ask you, what's your process with creating the titles of podcasts or just your own podcast? And I'm able to pivot and like shape shift to whichever thing is going to create the most. This has taken a lot of practice. It's taken a lot of me showing up like we were talking about and 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 building up my confidence in doing this over, but over time before I would have to write a lot of notes and outlining. And now I can just show up and go with the flow on things and sit with the energy of, of what my body's getting and what my inner knowing saying and what sometimes it's not even that explicit anymore. It's just like I pause and whatever comes out of my face is what's said. And I may or may not remember what I said <laughs> afterwards, but it's just like, all right, there was that happened and, and I let it go and it's done. It's out in the world now. Um, and it's always so far, it's always worked out. And I, I, I've let go of needing to control the process of that because there's so many other things that I'd rather use my energy and time for, like some of those projects we talked about earlier. Uh, you and me both regarding opening your mouth, letting it flow, not remembering what came out, but trusting the process. Uh, and yeah, I'm struck by the word shape-shifting because it resonates a lot with me. I, I think there can be, you know, there's pros and cons to different ways of showing up. There can be, at least for, I'll speak personally, um, some of the wounded side of that, the people pleasing, the how do I show up in different ways to accommodate. But then there can also be just the the light side of acknowledging our nature, which some of us, maybe maybe you feel you fit in this category as well, can are naturally a little bit more fluid, you know, in our character dynamics and how we should, and, and, and it leads to different strengths, different gifts at different times. Um, and of course, there can be an integration over time, whatever, but it's not so firmly that thing, but it, it resonated with me that you used that phrasing because I, I have noticed as well just by exploring your your work. I mean, there's so many different sides of you, so many different ways that you show up, uh, and it's so much so much that you offer. It's 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 very cool. It seems like having um, all those different faces is is what lights you up and gives you that freedom to to show up in all the, all the different ways that you can shine. And that's the key word, freedom. That's the key thing. I think that so many people will use that gift of shape-shifting against them. And that's where you see it with codependency, where you see it with the people pleasing. That's definitely where I was doing it. I had mutated that gift into that 
way of it showing up. And when I finally looked at that and looked at my limiting beliefs and did the work and did all that healing and continuing to do all that healing, I'm like, oh no, this is actually a capacity that I have that, that not everyone's willing to embrace and that's fine. And I had to look at, I was really worried that people would think I wasn't authentic then if I could shift and shift and shift and shift and who the hell are you? It's like, I'm all of those things. And, and I am beyond definition and I'm not going to conform and fit in any box. And it shows up in every aspect of my life from my relationships, romantic wise, like I date men, women, cisgendered, transgendered. Like I, I am someone that has businesses that is both product-based and service-based. I plan to have multiple homes and I energetically feel like I already have multiple homes. Like I have family and friends that are like, this is your room. Whenever you're visiting, this is your space. Just know you have it here. You know, like, and I thought it had to look a certain way where I was the one literally paying the bills for all these different homes. No, when you get out of your own way and you get out of these ways of having to like define things, things can show up in so many unexpected and beautiful ways that just, it it blows my mind when I really think about it. It's something that I'm very grateful for. Amen to that. And yeah, I resonate a a, a lot. Uh, One of my, I often say one of my highest values is freedom. And I hear that that is part of my missioning here is to create freedom within myself and for others. And so, yeah, amen. Um, This is going to be a really smooth transition, Um, but (laughs) I want to make space for this. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about death. <laughs> so we we explored we explored the light we explored the light and uh, there's there's light there can be light in death in in that aspect of transition but um, there are there are some other aspects of this of this process that we are all invited into uh, whether we like it or not and invited to experience to relate to and to and to navigate. Um, and one of the things that struck me about our conversation when we first met is, is how much the theme of death seems to, um, it's, it's a part of all of our lives, but really, um, poignant and, um, sort of front facing for you in a lot of ways. So Mm -hmm. let's start with what was your first experience with death or at least the idea of it, it, you know, whatever comes to mind. Um, my brother being born. So I was six when he was born and he was born with diaphragmatic hernia and his, he had a hole in his diaphragm where all of the organs below the diaphragm were up in his chest, not allowing his lungs to have space to grow. So they had to push it all down, sew up the hole. He also had a heart murmur, which is also another fancy way of saying hole in the heart. And they had to sew that up and everyone kept saying, oh, he was born dead. And there, there were, depending on who was recounting the first couple of weeks of his life, um, some people would say that my mom said, why am I going to write a birth certificate if I'm going to have to write a death certificate like immediately afterwards? So they didn't even want to do all of that. And they had to, you couldn't get take a baby out of the hospital and he had to transfer to a different hospital to get emergency surgery right away. Um, but there was this discussion around that. And so that was the first time that I heard that word. And that I got to be around that vibration and was like, oh, this is interesting. And then it kept showing up over and over and over again in so many different ways after that. 
how has um, these early experiences and then later experiences coming close to death yourself, uh, more recently navigating the loss of many people in your life, how has this um, initially and continued to inform your perspective of life? Ooh, I feel like what I would have said even just five years ago would <laughs> be completely different than what I'm going to say right now. Um, there's no question that that COVID and pandemic and all that stuff has affected most people. I think that they're, unfor they're unfortunately, and I'm going to actually very consciously choose that word, unfortunately, there are a few people that unfortunately it didn't impact. And I think that it's actually a good thing that we were impacted by it. Now, how that impacted us is very different for each person. Um, for me, as you were referring to, I've had about 17 or more people die in the last two or three years. The, a big chunk of it started with COVID, but it wasn't only like them dying of COVID. It was all the other rippling out effects that a lot of people didn't discuss, like mental health issues, so a lot of suicides, um, other people that were already in poor health, and that was their off-ramp, and they used COVID as the off-ramp. Um, but how it's affecting me is it's really shifting how I talk about my, my what I'm choosing to live and devote my time and energy to. I've always been, well, I shouldn't say always. In the, since becoming an entrepreneur, I got pickier and pickier about who I decided to spend my personal time with. Um, when you spend so much of your day giving and processing people's thoughts and feelings and emotions and empowering them. And there's a lot of talking. I Sometimes I get at the end of the day and I don't want to hear my own voice, <laughs> so, let alone anybody else's. Um, so I got even pickier with how I was going to spend my time. And and I got it kind of got narrower in that sense while also expanding my energetics in other senses. And the as I was running different energies, any of these, the theta healing, the shamanism, I give these different private sessions and all these techniques to people. I started to get a whisper of something else. And I was like, what is this? Hey, like, this is a new personality. This is a new vibration. And it was bit by bit, the living and dying body process coming in. I wish I could tell you it was just like a one and done channel, but that's just not how it showed up. It was a continual conversation. And it's funny because that's very congruent with how it is when you experience the living and dying body process and how it is when you give it when you become, as I call it, an ambassador of living and dying, you are having a conversation with the earth, with your body, with the person's body, and with the living and dying body process as if it was a person. And so you have this companion. Um, so my, my experiences from when I was a little kid onward was almost like as if I was slowly forming a best friend that I didn't even know that I need it. And that best friend is this body process. And it's here now, just like the earth for me to check in with anytime I want. And I'm really, really grateful for that. And I think that a lot of people need that because there is so much isolation. There was definitely isolation in 2020 and 2021, but that hasn't really stopped. There's still so many people that before then and since that are feeling really isolated, that that would like to connect, that would like to connect with themselves with and with others. And one of the things that I am hoping for is that 
people get to know that there is this ever-present being, part of them, that is there. There's the source that's always been there. And then there's additional one. We're adding to our team. We're adding to our crew. Um, and this is, happens to me, one of my crew now, that is a very big part, that if I didn't have it with me, I wouldn't be vertical right now with all these deaths because it's been a lot. And at one point, and I don't think I've actually said this out loud to anybody, I was worried. I was really worried that me playing with the living and dying body process actually caused all of my family and friends to die. I was like, did I bring this in? Is it my fault? If you push aside the how much ego <laughs> and like would it be involved in that? Like <laughs> um I I think that's something that a lot of people at a very root level worry about when they talk about death. They are worried that by talking about it, they are gonna bring it into existence. And that's actually not true. When we aren't talking about something, that means we're not willing to change it. When we're not talking about something, that means that we're not willing to know what we know about it. Use that to our advantage instead of we're being blindsided and being at the effect of it. And so my hope is that by people being more willing to have these conversations, that they will stop being at the effect of all of this insanity and all of this stuff that's going around that it isn't in our control, but there are things that are. And what if we could embrace and really lean into those things? Firstly, thank you so much for, for sharing so deeply. I, I feel really honored and privileged to to receive that from you. And I think you strike deeply at the heart of death and of the idea, like you say, of if we if we talk about something, if we bring it out of the hiddenness, bring it out of the unconscious, um, we're playing with fire. Like, are we, are we becoming a sorcerer for bad energy? Are we bringing in? And I think a lot of that is rooted in um, outdated, paranoid, and probably... Uh, Re religious or just associated meanings of of life like don't play with fire don't talk about this it's an evil spell or whatever it is whatever the meanings in our lineage that we've used to make sense and and how to how to walk our way through the dark in a very mysterious rock we're floating on like we come up with all these superstitions we could say um, which become deeply rooted beliefs about what we're supposed to say, what we're not supposed to say. Um, and the shadows are a part of the light. It's just like so clearly, if you are not looking around at this planet and being like, wow, there's a lot of fucking shadows, like, you know, then it's, you know, and I, I could, I could certainly be accused of digging my head in the sand because I am committed to my own own sense of holding the light and for some that might be like oh well you're not looking enough at certain news sources or you're not talking enough about and that's fine they're in entitled to that perspective for me there's a fine line between digging your head in the sand and 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 choosing with intention to see what is playing out while holding the light and it it seems like that's what 
you've really been invited into through this process, through all the fear of it, through the, you know, the channeled information, the living and dying process, the experience of all this death, like, it's literally like the universe, like, you know, like, showing you so clearly, like, CDs, you, you are a shaman, you are here to transmute darkness into light. And so here is all this death, you're not going to hide from it, you're going to speak to it. And you're going to find a way to hold the light. <laughs> you're just going to find a way to hold the light. Well, and here's the other thing too with that. And, you know, and thank you for that. Here's the other piece. If you're not willing to acknowledge where there's dark and talk about it and talk with it, you won't know when someone's lying to you. You won't be able to catch the disease before it kills you. You're not going to be able to transmute limitation into possibility. All of these things take you being aware of all of it. And and here's the other thing that's important that I'm not sure we talked about before, Daniel. Um, I have a very different operational definition of living and dying. So we've been talking about death, which is a very different energy than dying to me. So living to me is what we add to create more. It could be the people, the places, the trainings, the books, the ideas that we add. And then dying is what we let go of to create more. So that would be the judgments, the limiting beliefs, the illness, the symptoms, the, the projections and expectations of the past that aren't working for us now, like whatever it is, it's going to create more. And that's very, very different than death. That's solid. That's heavy. There's a finiteness to it. Same with life. I actually don't really use the word life much unless it's going to be confusing or take too much time to like say living instead. Like I want to be grammatical most of the time when I'm talking. Um, life has a clear beginning and end. So it's also very solid. But living and dying both have that present progressive tense. It's a continual choice as to what you add. And it's a continual choice about what you let go of. And for a lot of us, we've been trying to keep it separate. We're trying to add new people, the new the latest trend, the new the new supplement, the new workout regimen, whatever it is, it's going to be the answer, but we're not willing to let go the dying of what's not working, of the stuff from the past, of what we've bought from our families, of what we've been ingesting and inhaling in from media and news, like you were mentioning. Like if we're taking it in, but we're locking it in, that's not helpful. That's not going to create more. And that's the piece that we're that people are con are invited to play with when we when when they run the living and dying body process on themselves or on other people. That's really beautiful. It really resonates with me and very guided because I was guided to to my next question was going to be your concept of of death. And um, I love the idea that in both living and dying. I'm I'm remembering this movie Arrival. I don't know if you've if you've uh, seen it. It's it involves like ETs, and it's one of my favorite portrayals because I have a very positive view of extraterrestrials. And um, is that the one with with either Julia Roberts or the one that was in um, X Files? The actress that was from X Files as the main character. I can't remember. It's not it's not Julia Roberts. It's more recent. It's it's in the yeah. And uh, just these the the ETs are almost like these uh, octopus kind of figures, which is cool because like mm -hmm. octopus are mm. kind of like ETs anyway. <laughs> um, and I don't I I don't want to give any spoil I don't want to give any spoilers, but there's a um, 
there's a different perception of time that is portrayed, which I think is actually very uh, evidence-based at this time in, in our modern physics discovery of, of space-time. Um, and there's also a different understanding of life and death process. I actually encourage you to watch the movie Arrival because I feel I, like- I'm writing it down. I'm such a movie buff, Daniel. You're totally like adding to my list right now. I'm so happy. This, is, this struck with me so <laughs> deeply. I think you will, because they honor both living and dying process- and it's it's just so beautifully portrayed. It's not as, you know, we have so much, there's so much pain in our physical vessels around death. But I often invite people to consider that through the evolution of our humanity, imagine a time where uh, the point of death doesn't actually have to be so painful that we have technologies we have, um, uh, physically painful, I mean, uh, and emotionally painful, that, and that we could honor the beauty of it, the moreness of it. You know, uh, my next question might be about if you have any conception of what happens after uh, we leave the body uh, and if that fits in with some idea of more to you, that there's always more, even when we're leaving something. Um, I just find that so beautiful that you honor both living and dying as two sides of a coin to more, to expansion. They, they're different energies. One is creating, manifesting. One is letting things, things go, leaving. But they're both in service of something um, expansive, something beautiful, something more. I recently finished the book Journey of Souls. Oh my God, wait, that's so amazing. It? It's literally on my, I'm staring at it right now. No. It's on my couch. <laughs> I'm three quarters of the way through it. So that is so divinely guided. I, I'll let you speak to it, but I, um, I'd i always been a really big fan of Many Lives, Many Masters, Dr. Brian Weiss. Yes, Dr. Brian Weiss. That's how I started to look into that. It was first with yeah. him many years ago, like 20 years ago. Yeah. And actually, and, and in addition to that, a book that I think would probably resonate with you a lot too, it's called Dying to Be Me by Anita Morjani, um, which is Ooh. just a fantastic um, near-death experience and having cancer and all the tumors and they all vanish when she comes back and all this. And it's just an amazing story. But yeah, please um, continue about Journey of Souls because that is so poignant for me. It's, you know, and it's funny because I, I finished three books this week. That's not always the case, but it's because I was in different places in each book and then there are different types of books. And um, it just it, it just all worked out that it finished. And I was like, oh, what's the next book? And something told me, wait, you don't know what the next book is. <laughs> just, get, just let it marinate. And then you're giving me this recommendation. I was like, ha ha. Do you have my exact same water bottle? Are you kidding me now? <laughs> I might. Are you? Is this? What? Yeti? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Look get at that. <laughs> just, just that. A lot just of synchronicities. Okay. Uh, but yes, journey back to Journey of Souls after my ADD moment for a second. Um, amazing book. Yes, it's very much congruent with with how I already was seeing in between life stuff, and that's why a colleague recommended. It. Like, I think you'd really like this book. And when it was time, I started it. I think I started it maybe like a month ago. Um, and got through it was wonderful and basically what dr uh, michael newton the writer of the book he's um using hypnotherapy this particular type of hypnotherapy that he has now has an institute that trains people on it 
um, where he not just guides people to access information from past lives, but he also documented very, very diligently people's lives and what they said about between lives, those experiences from how they feel when they're leaving their, their bodies to all the different people and how they're interacting with their guides in the spirit world to what is part of their decisions in choosing the next body um, of choosing the next life, where they choose to go. All of these are decided beforehand by us. And that all matched up really beautifully, including with my siblings choosing their disabilities. Uh, one, one year, uh, gosh, I have to ask my mom what year it was, but my sister, my mom and I, one year as a Christmas gift to each other, and funny that we're talking right around Christmas now, we decided to have a shared experience where each of us were going to do past life regressions. And um, the name of the practitioner was Ruth. Thank you, Ruth, wherever you are in the world. Uh, and she guided us through all of these different past lives, each of us in different ways, of course, but then there was some overlap, including my mom and I knowing each other in a past life in an interesting capacity. But one of the things I got from that was that my sister chose to have a human body for the probably one of the first times in many lifetimes. She was always four-legged animals. And so as she was creating the body, she wasn't getting the legs and, and knees and all that stuff correctly because very different than a four-legged animal. So that's part of how she has spina bifida. She came in feet first, head on her shins, her legs like completely toward each other. And she went through eight different surgeries the first couple of years of her life to learn how to walk. She It's a miracle that she actually walks because a lot of people with spina bifida are wheelchair bound. But she was determined to do that. But she also was using this life to figure out how to create and be in a human body. And I was like, this is so cool. I was like, none of this wrong. Like, none of this is a mistake. This is the divine like plan of it all was really, really cool. Well, and it was in, in, and I'm saying this while also recognizing the total choice that we all have with it, that she chose that in the spirit world and that she's continually to choose whatever she's choosing now. And Sam, so are we. And it was just, it's, it's one of the best things I've read in a very long time. It's just phenomenal. It's just been, I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to, there's two other books. I don't know if you know about them. Like Destiny of the Souls is next after that. There's 67 case studies. And so I just needed a buffer. I needed a pause because I feel like I'm still processing and like getting all that I'm supposed to get from it, including a greater connection with my guides. Like I already had a very strong connection with my guides, but as I was reading this book, I feel like it's just catapulted me into a whole other level of connection. This is why I have no doubt in um, just a larger intelligence at play because even just in the last two or three months, the amount of times this book has come up from different people in their own spiritual journey, in their own expansion, opening new doors for it. them. It just feels like as a collective, we, many of us, um, many of us who have come from more evidence-based backgrounds, et cetera, um, are being invited to expand, are being invited to see more, to trust more. It doesn't mean that we have to make Journey of Souls or some other idea our only story. But I think like you said, it can offer so much grace. It can offer such a, a larger picture, a larger possibility in what unfolds in this human game. And... Uh, uh, and can really, I think, 
you know, just just really support the trauma healing process, the the meaning making process, um, and like you said, just the I, I I like to say there's always a light filled version of the story. That just the, that's that's kind of my mission. There's a, I'm I'm a storyteller, and there's always a light filled version of the story, and I I think and um, you can't really fake it. You know, it has to, you have to be invited into an experience first before you can truly change the story for yourself and invite others to do it. But if we're graced with that capacity and we can choose, like you said, we can choose a new story, which in effect becomes a new reality. It really does. It, it becomes a new vibration. It becomes a new pathway. Um, whether it's a new neural connection in uh, the nervous system, the brain, or a new relationship or a new possibility, the inner reflects the outer, a new vision, um, uh, a new uh, a new existence. And uh, so I love that. I love the synchronicities there. Um, it me too. Yeah. <laughs> it really uh, it, it fills me. I, I really have felt in the past few years, the things that fill me up with possibility and, and that, that, cause that is part of my light too. I am on the, on the scale of like practice. We've talked about this on the scale of like practical waiting for the evidence, et cetera. I'm like all the way to the nth degree visionary. Like I <laughs> don't need to, I don't need that kind of evidence. It's cool. I like to see, I'll still read Science, I, was, I, I like to see overlapping. I like to see what's happening in quantum physics. I like to see where things are catching up. But the evidence for me is inner. It's, has my life been changing inside? Am I healing? Am I growing? Am I seeing more possibilities? Is my mind expanding? That's all I need. I, I'm gone and I'll keep going and I'll be like, what's next? Because that's, that's my thing. And I'm really grateful for people on other parts of the spectrum. Uh, but that's just, that's where my evidence lives. And uh yeah, just when a when a book, podcast, a person, whatever, when it just when it lights you up with the possibilities of oh my god, imagine if this is true. Imagine if like this is part of the game. Like amazing, it's amazing. It I it it just if it it offers so much, um, in in the very real um, facing of of you know, the, the light and the dark that we, that we navigate. Part of it too, is that shape shifting, right? So like you can, you can be over here, you can be over there and, and shape shifting isn't something that happens at you. You get to choose when you want to do it. So if you want to go and pivot to the, and go and play around with some evidence-based stuff and some articles and some research, cool. And you can come back over here. It's, it's a continual thing. One of the things I mean, there's so many gems in in the Journey of Souls book, but one of the other things that that when you say we're talking about it, I really get is it's very tempting to be like, okay, I'll just I'll wait till the next life to change again or reset or whatever. But and I was actually really frustrated with at one point um, when I was listening to him talking about how nobody's suffering then and they they want to comfort their loved ones left behind sometimes because they want them to know they're not suffering anymore as they've left the body. And I remember having a whole tantrum, like a whole ass tantrum for about a couple days <laughs> because I was like, I'm glad you're not suffering and I'm suffering down here. Like people are suffering down here. And really was in one of those moments where I was really having a hard couple of days 
And I was like, well, thanks. And I got that you're not suffering and I'm glad you're not suffering, but it doesn't really change the fact that I'm suffering down here. And then fast forward, got into the other chapters and I, and it dissipated and I did energy work on myself and it, and it shifted. And I got to the, the, the aha, like, oh, okay. I can choose to, to change this again and again and again. And I don't have to wait to, until I don't have a body to not be suffering anymore. And what can I do now? What is among all the possible options that are available to me? What can I choose that would alleviate some of the suffering? And which one of the, all of those will create the most? But I had a whole moment. I think that a lot of us are in that and have that moment maybe multiple times a day, a week. <laughs> and it's like, are we willing to then pivot back and choose to live again? What I love about that, as uncomfortable as it is, because I've had some triggering moments too with with the book and just with spiritual information is it's it's not it's not an escapism it's actually a tool to help us grow through the tri like the trigger points are actually bringing us deeper into um the stuff we're carrying the unresolved things we have about the unfairness of being human and all the challenges that come with it this larger game if we if we let it in, just that it doesn't have to be absolutely true, but the possibility of it, it invites us to loosen and open to like, oh my gosh, like what if, yeah, what if when they leave they're not suffering, but I'm still suffering? How do I navigate that? How do I process that? How do I how do I make amends with that? Like, um, what does it mean? You know when people come into this life and they leave so quickly what does it mean when certain people suffer so much more than others like it doesn't have to be a quick answer game just to make us feel better it can actually be yeah. questions like we were saying more questions that just help us grow and not fit a neatly worded answer to it but ride the wave of the crazy journey that this is and daniel it has been a wave it has been tidal waves and freaking tsunamis out here and and i'm not just talking about for me but just so many people that's what they're they're like i don't even know I, there's no treading water i'm <laughs> i'm getting swept up in it sometimes and and then how do you still thrive and and take a deep breath and it's not full of salt water like really <laughs> like a good deep breath mm -hmm. you and me too and uh and um I sense that for a lot of us, a lot of the imagery I get also because I'm a little bit into astrology and the planet Neptune, which is that that uh, the ruler of Pisces, a very wavy, emotional, intuitive planet has been in Pisces. And there's just been so much waviness flowing. Uh, today I'm up, tomorrow I'm down, the emotions and those who are willing to surrender to it. I feel we are being called uh, to land on steady ground, but not before we let go of what is no longer aligned heart heart-centered because the more we try to grasp onto the things that aren't in alignment the more we're going to be invited to see that those things are just going to get continuously messier because they're not resonating with the vibration that, that we're invited to step into into the year ahead and and ongoing so i'm with you i use when people typically when people ask me how i'm doing a lot of people know this about me now i literally will just say riding the wave because it gives me a lot of freedom. A lot of people interpret that negatively, and that's fine. I mean, usually there are challenges. But what I love about using that frame is that, um, 
you know, for me, answering that question is challenging. I have a lot of, I'm a very emotional person. I have a lot of feelings to really answer the question of how, if the, if the checkout person at Trader Joe's asked me how I'm doing, I'm like, all right, how, what are we going to be here for six hours? Like, I don't, I, sometimes <laughs> I'll just be like, yeah, good. Thanks. How are you? But it doesn't feel authentic enough. So riding the wave is like a way to be like, I'm fitting it all in there without having to get all it because I could be at the top of the wave. I could have just crashed down into the bottom and hit a reef or something. And, um, I, it's a, it, it affords me that freedom um, to speak in those terms of, of fluidity. If you ever do any swag for your podcast, you should put that on the swag, right in the way, like on the mug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would totally love, I love mugs anyway, but <laughs> it's such a teepee, but like on a hoodie, put right in the way. I'm just saying, I'm just planning the seat. All I ask is 10% royalties. That's yeah, all yeah. I ask. That's cool. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. No big deal. <laughs> No big deal. But remember that the first question I asked you, I know we got to get going soon, but do you remember the first question I asked you? I didn't ask you, how are you? You asked me, like, how did I feel in my body? Is that right? I was like, how's your body doing today? Yeah. How are you, how are you with your body? Today? Yeah. And that's actually, that's, that's an easier question for me to answer. Actually, um, I can be much more grounded and specific in certain ways about that, you know, um, emotions you know, or, or, or just how are you doing or even how are you feeling? It It's such a wide, I mean, for some people, it's a little easier for them to answer just because their ego structure, whatever, is a little um, maybe cl clearer or at least uh, this sounds um, judgmental, but uh, narrow. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just that they, that, that's their perception is I'm feeling this way. For me, it's always been my whole life. I'm like, well, I just like, I don't know. There are 30 feelings at once. How do you express what all this inner experience is? Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll hold that in mind. And actually, I'll just call back to way before I went back to grad school when I was still really riding a very different way of substances, early 20s, teaching in schools. like, And I was attempting to, spirit was attempting to get me to shift. I created a workshop uh, that I put on at a yoga studio. I had, I had just... I think I might have done this life coaching program, but I had not done any formal psychology training or even explored my healing path extensively. Um, but I called it riding the wave of change. It just like, I, you know, it just came through. I was like, this feels right. And I, re I remember that. And I'm like, wow, that that was guided because that's still still pointing to this day, that, that title, even though it. that was an older version of me. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yeah, so I want to be respectful of time, although we could we could certainly do a whole nother podcast just on Journey of Souls because I have <laughs> I have a I have a lot, I have a lot of feelings too that actually just trigger uh, my own brand of spirituality because um, and we can leave this for another time, but it's really interesting that Michael works with uh, what he uh, describes as a lot of beginner souls because a lot of the souls in that book have have pretty uh let's say strong ego structures still they still have a lot of perceived separateness they have a lot of um growth that you know i might have perceived as human growth that you get to leave behind but he's like no these souls are you know they're still clicky there's that some some are like i don't want to go over there i want to stay over here it's like have you left the body. Have you not realized that there's oneness yet? Like, how many more levels are there? I thought, you know, and I'm like, wait a second. Like, I don't think I'm going to be like that as a soul. So it's very, um, 
Yeah, just just the ego, the, the soul mind structure, I would say. That word resonates for me because the soul clearly has a mind. It has a mind from the human experience. It has an expended mind from the many lives playing out at once and all kinds of... But yeah. Uh, You're going to love the last quarter of the book then. Get ready. Buckle up. Okay. All right. Yeah, cool. Call, call me when you're done. Like, yeah, yeah. Send me a message and be like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah, yeah. I will. <laughs> I will. Um, cool. Well, it's really been such a pleasure to to have you, cities, and to and to connect and and to really explore the the infinite possibilities that none of us, neither of us, I'm sure, could have predicted or known about. And that's the beauty and the majesty of of surrendering to spirit and seeing how things align. So I'm really grateful for that. And uh, and I'll just ask if there's anything else you feel guided to add um and then where people can find you if you'd like them to i the only last thing i would mention is where we started and also kind of where we were ending too was to say hi to your body every day like if you just added that one practice i wonder what that would create i wonder if it would create more for you try it a couple days see if it you feel anything different afterwards if it doesn't work for you let it go bye all right you don't have to do that you can ignore that crazy lady that you listen to on a podcast um but I suspect that for most people, it'll actually be pretty powerful in that simple practice. And people can find me, um, gosh, all my information's on my website at empoweringlightlanguage.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. I'm on SoundCloud, LinkedIn, all those different things. But I love actually getting direct calls. If people want to call me directly and be like, hey, let's have a chat. Um, I'm pretty responsive. And I reply to all my emails. The key thing that I've learned to say is if you email me, make sure you add me to your contacts because I do reply to all of them. And then they, I don't really hear back after I reply to, to many of the emails that I get. So just let me know at least received something like that. Um, I, I worry that they're going to spam or something, um, in, especially if they're very much wanting to hear back. I do reply to all my emails. So I, I just want to make sure that that it doesn't fit into any narratives of isolation that many of us sometimes perpetuate with some of those little small actions, micro actions that are become self-fulfilling prophecies. We are here. I know Daniel will pass along any messages that he gets as well if you want to reach out through the podcast. But um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really hoping that that we can have this ongoing conversation. If you ever want to have me back, I'd love it. We can keep talking and geeking out about other books and movies and things. Um, and I, and speaking of, I do have my podcast, Choosing a Different Future, too, that people can check out. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And I will put all this in the show notes. I have no doubt that uh, there, there will very likely be in at least one more podcast because a lot of things came up there that... Um, I would I would personally love to explore and like when you when you asked me when we first met like what is your audience wanting here I was like I don't know I just kind of do what I want to do so uh, <laughs> that's enough conviction for me to have another podcast and um, yeah and I I'm excited by all the possibilities so so thank you for for presencing me to that and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah, give yourself a big hug for me. Hopefully I'll get to give you a hug in person someday. I would love that. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode and would like to support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen. And if you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out on Instagram, 
my website, or my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Atkins, where for $5 a month, you can gain access to all sorts of exclusive benefits and offerings for the Be The Vessel community. This includes live channeled events, a new healing series podcast, and more. Until then, may you be the light, the frequency, and the vessel for your highest vision.